So we started a series last week we call Fake News. And the premise of that is, is that there's some things that God never said. God never said. We sometimes, or maybe a well-intended person, sometimes tells you something that God says. And then, uh, and then when God doesn't come through or when God doesn't meet that expectation for us, I've seen it too many times where people have just walked away from church walked away from God, walked away from their faith. And, and so I want to spend the next few weeks talking about some things that, like I said, maybe someone said to you and you aren't experiencing that. That's not a reality for you in your life or maybe a, a reality for you in the season of your life. And so some of these things are hard to hear. They're hard to hear. But I, I want to just try to help you understand, you know, what God does have to say to us and believing that, that what God does have to say is what's ultimately going to help you, what's ultimately going to get bring about life change in your life and is what's ultimately going to make your life better and make you better at life. And so I want to just sort of dispel some of those falsehoods, some of those lies that are out there about people say, God said this, and, and God's saying, I never, I never said that. And so we looked at some, we have some biases. We, uh, last week, if you're here with us, if you weren't, it's okay. You can go back and, you know, we have a, a, a podcast. You can go back and listen if you, if you want. But we have some biases that sort of get in the way of, of these things too. We just sort of still want to believe them. Uh, we want to see them be true in our life, even though they're not. And so we have some biases. We have what we talked about, availability bias, that something that is current, information that's current, information that is Prominent. We have these biases that, of, of that. Like, for example, uh, you know, many of you are nervous about flying. Some of you, you know, are nervous about that. And you maybe somebody has said to you, you know, you have a greater degree of getting into a car accident on the way to the airport than your plane crashing. And, and that is true. There's, the statistics are higher. As a matter of fact, we even said that uh, what's a more dangerous job, a fisherman or a police officer? And statistically, a fisherman, there's more deaths that occur as a, as, as a for fisherman than there are for police officers. This is just, these are just availability biases. Then we talked about another bias. We said emotional bias, emotional bias. We sort of let our emotions dictate. We sort of let our emotions control our decision-making, and we let these, you know, these feelings uh, exceed over facts. And so we just sort of feel, maybe some days we just feel down, we feel discouraged, we feel depressed, and therefore we assume that something's wrong with our relationships. You know, there's something wrong in, in our life that we need to adjust, and really it's just our feelings doing what our feelings do best, and they cause us to act irrational. And so we, we want to just keep in check those emotions and those feelings sometimes. So we have these emotional biases. And then we have uh, maybe one that you've probably heard most of, about before is a confirmation bias, confirmation bias. We just choose to believe what we want to believe, and then we go and find the people that believe the same. We choose to believe what we want to believe, and we go and, you know, to the people that also believe what we believe, and it sort of just confirms for us these biases, whether they're true or not. They, we go and we search out people that also believe this so that we can then feel better about what we believe. And so what I'm asking for you to do is this over the next few weeks. I'm asking you to set aside some of these biases. I'm asking you to sort of, you know, put these, you know, in perspective a little bit. And I want you to, you know, and some of these things are going to be emotional for you. You know, some of these things you're going to want to go and confirm them that, you know, that, that maybe what I'm saying is opposite of what you've already heard. And you're going to go and I'm, I'm asking you to just sort of set aside these biases over the next few weeks. 
So there's a rumor that was going around for a number of years back in the uh, late 70s and the early 80s. And maybe you're familiar with this, this kid right here. Anybody familiar with this kid right here? You know, that's Mikey, right? You might know Mikey from, you know, did the ad up at late 70s, early 80s. Uh, Mikey uh, was a, he was a, you know, picky eater, you know, just like, you know, many three-year-olds, just a, just a picky eater. And, um, and Mikey, you know, this is a real popular ad, you know, Mike, you know the, how Mikey likes it, you know, like he, he doesn't like anything, but he loves life cereal, right? You remember this ad? Remember this? You can shake your head. That's okay. I, I, I know. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there was a rumor that went out around that somewhere in the 80s, somewhere around the 80s, that Mikey had some pop rocks and some pop and it exploded his stomach. Did anybody hear this rumor before? This was an urban, yeah, this was a rumor that Mikey, the actor, John Gilchrist, that's right, that's his name, John Gilchrist, he, he had Pop Rocks and he uh, consumed a Coke or a Pepsi or whatever it was and it, and it, and it, and it caused his stomach to explode and, and he died. Anybody here, anybody familiar with this? Raise your hand if you're familiar with this. Okay, you've heard this before. This is, this is what happened. So as a matter of fact, you know, come to find out that John Gilchrist, Mikey, he, he didn't die from that. It was just somebody made it up. But you know what it did kill? It, get, it did kill Pop Rocks. Pop Rocks, General, you know, General Mills, you know, who, who you know, manufactured these Pop Rocks candies, it, it destroyed their, you know, the Pop Rocks. Some other company bought it back into Pop Rocks, so you can actually go out and buy Pop Rocks now. But at that time, in the mid-80s, they stopped manufacturing because people believed that someone died consuming Pop Rocks and Pepsi. That's what people believed. As a matter of fact, there's a story that I read, an article, that that. Uh, Mikey, or his real name, John, John's mother received a call from a family friend saying, I'm so sorry about your loss. And she says, what are you talking about? She says, I heard your son died from eating Pop Rocks and drinking Pepsi. And, 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 and his mother goes, no, he's right here. I see him. He's right here. He's, he's just fine. So this was a falsehood that many, many people believed was true. John's just fine. He's, here's a picture. That's John. That's, he's, he's doing just fine. They, they tried to re, redo the, the commercial years later, and uh, it wasn't as successful. He wasn't as cute as he was when he was three, you know, just like many of us. But John's doing just fine. John works for uh, the New York Knicks, just in case you wanted to know what John is doing. He, he, he does some marketing stuff for, the, for Madison Square Garden and the New York Knicks. But ultimately, this is, this is fake news, right? This is fake news. And you're like, I never bought it. I never believed it. But there are people that, that believed it. And there's things about God that people believe. And, 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 the, and it, the tragedy is, the tragedy is, is that when, when people believe something about God and that God never said, people walk away from church. They walk away from their faith. They walk away from wanting to grow and to know God more. And that's tragic. And so I want us to get it right. I want us to get it right because there's too many people walking away. There's too many people saying, you know what, this thing isn't for me. There's too many people saying, you know, I'm not, I don't have any affiliation with any religion because religion hasn't done anything for me. I thought that God was going to do something and God didn't do it. And therefore, I'm done with God. But I want us to get this right. 
And so fake news, and this is gonna be hard, and, and this is not popular preaching. This right here does not grow churches in attendance. Like this right here, this is not what, you know, the scripture calls ear tickling, you know, where people are just wanting to be, to have their ears tickled and feel good about things. This is gonna be hard for you to hear. And with all the sensitivity that I can muster up and all of the, you know, the, the feelings that I have of, of not wanting you to turn off and not wanting you to walk away and not, you know, and, and, and you know, you, the, the urge that you might have to never wanna come back, I just wanna tell you to just, Hang in there and keep listening because I think that the results are better. The results are better. So fake news today is this. God's primary goal for your life is your happiness. God's primary goal for, for your life is your happiness. And you're saying, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me, you're telling me that God doesn't want me to be happy I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to be happy. I'm just saying that that's not God's primary goal for you is your happiness. Now, I, you, I, know, I know what you're going to say, and I, I'm just going to beat you to the punch. I know you're going to quote Psalm 118, 24. You're going to say, well, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Come on. This is the day that the Lord has made. Okay, we can do better than that. All right, all right, all right. I didn't do well, I didn't do well. But listen, listen. This is what we think. We're like, oh, this is the day that the Lord has made and I'm just gonna rejoice and be glad in it. And some of you are going, well, I don't know how I'm gonna rejoice in this day because this day stinks. This day is hard. This day is lousy. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, when we want to believe and we want to come around this theology of happiness, here's a couple thoughts that we embrace. And may not, maybe it may not be knowingly that you embrace these things, but these are a couple thoughts that we embrace. Number one, the theology of happiness. Whatever makes me happy must be right. And therefore, whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. So if we come around this idea that God's goal for me is just to be happy, this is the day that the Lord has made and I'm gonna rejoice and be glad in it, then whatever makes me happy must be right and therefore whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. The second idea of the theology around happiness is whatever is, therefore whatever is delayed, a risk, challenging, inconvenient, painful, stressful, an obstacle must not be God's will. So we come to believe, if, if, if God's goal for me is to be happy, we come to believe that then therefore, if I'm not happy, and if I'm going through a challenging time, if I'm going through an obstacle, if I have stress in my life, if I have concern and worries in my life, then it must not be of God because God just wants me to be happy. And if I'm not happy, then I must be out of God's will if I'm not happy, I must be doing something wrong. Are we okay? So here's what we believe. We, so then therefore, we then turn to things that we think will make us happy. And so we, we come up with this equation. Better possessions plus pe peaceful circumstances 
plus thrilling experiences, plus right relationships, plus perfect appearance equals happiness. We think, okay, 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 if God wants me to be happy, then these are the things that I'm going to pursue. Better possessions, better circumstances, better thrilling experiences, you know, the right relationships, you know, the, the be- best appearances. I'm going, to, I'm going to then pursue these things. And we then turn God into this vending machine God. We turn God into that God, you, you exist you, are, you exist to serve me. You exist to serve me. God, that you're here because i just going to pay a little bit and I'm going to press some of the buttons and then I'm going to get what I expected to get. I'm going to put a little into it. I'm going to push some buttons so that then I can get what I expected to get in the bottom of the vending machine. Isn't that how the vending machines work? This is how oftentimes people that come around the theology of happiness think that the reason why God exists. That they think if I just ask God, if I just ask God to give me this or give me that, if I ask God to give me more possessions or, or a, a right relationships or you know, a, a, you know, more thrilling experiences, that, then he's gonna do that for me because God wants me to be happy. But how unhappy are you when you put in your money, when you push those buttons, and you don't get what you expected? Anybody? If you're wondering where where that can happen, you can simply go downstairs to our vending machines, and that will happen to you. Right, Chrissy? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) My kids are always complaining. Dad, I pushed for a Sprite, and I got a Diet Dr. Pepper. What's up with that, right? Like we get, they're, they're not happy. They're unhappy. This is the way that we respond. You know what it is? It's the how we sometimes function in relationships. And then this is not a healthy way to go about relationships. But it's what I call the if-then relationships. If-then relationships. In other words, if I do X, then I expect Y. If I do something nice, then I expect something in return, right? This is a poor way to do relationships. This is a poor way. But we, this is how our brain works. If I do this, then this will be the result. And so we carry this over into our relationship with God. If I pray more, If I read my Bible more, if I attend church regularly, if I give more to God, then certainly God will improve my relationships. Then certainly God will give me that job. Then certainly God will put more money in my bank account. I'll often, we hear this all the time. We hear people say, oh man, I, I mean, God, I just, I've been coming to church for three straight weeks and I still didn't get that job offer. That's it, I'm done. God, I've been tipping you, you know, for the last two weeks and I still, I still didn't get, you know, a better result of my relationship. 
And we work with God in these ways. We negotiate with God in these ways. If I do this, then God, you must do that. I mean, we do this all the time. I think that sometimes people come to church hoping that if they just come to church, then their team is going to win today. Now, please, please, please don't, don't tell me that you're here today because you're hoping that the Lions can pull out a victory. All right, like don't say, God, come on, I, I, I spent my morning at church, God. You know, you certainly can give me this, this victory here in Philly, God. I mean, come on. I mean, this is the way that we work. We work this way in our relationships. If I do this, then I expect you to do that. God, if, you, if I do this, then God, I expect you to come through for me. We are a vending machine people. I'll give a little, and then God, you owe me. God, I'll do, I know, this sounds dangerous, doesn't it? I'll give a little, and then God, you do what you do for me. Now, aren't you glad that the Bible gives us examples of people that do the same thing that we sometimes do? Aren't you glad that the Bible is honest enough to tell the reality and the story of people that actually do these things? As a matter of fact, here's what, here's what this guy did the same thing, and here's what Jesus said about him. Look, look what it says. Jesus is talking about John, and now this is not the John that we talked about last week. This is another guy. He says, I say to you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. What a statement, isn't it? What a statement. I mean, if anyone born of a woman, there's none greater than John. Who is he talking about? He's talking about John the baptizer. Or you may know him as John the Baptist, right? But he's not affiliated with the Baptist denomination. He was just known as John the Baptist because he was John who was a baptizer. And John was, man, he was a forerunner. He, he went ahead of Jesus. He was a prophet called by God. He was one of the last, you know, prophets of the, of the you know, changing of the guard from the old, you know, covenant to the new, new covenant. And he was bold, man. Not only was he bold, man, he was, you know, just, he didn't care what he said to who, who he said it to. It didn't matter. He was just courageous for God. He was you know, fiery, you know, he was kind of weird. You know, it says that he wore camel hair. I don't know what that even means, but that was his garment. It says that he ate locusts and honey. That was his diet, just sort of a, he lived out in the desert. He lived out in the wilderness. That's where he, that's where he hung out and spent his time. And his message was repent, repent, you know, for the kingdom of God is at hand, repent. In other words, turn around, change your life. Because God is here. God is here. That was his, his message. Well, John was so fiery. John was so bold that he spoke out against Herod, who was the king at the time. And Herod was the son of Herod the Great. His name, he, he went by Herod Antipas. Well, Herod Antipas had an adulterous 
relationship with his brother's wife. This is fascinating, right? This is now like soap opera stuff. He had an adulterous relationship with his brother, Philip, his wife. She went by Herodias, Herodias. So Herod Antipas and, and Herodias are having this adulterous relationship. She ends up leaving Philip, Herod Antipas' brother, leaving Philip to marry Herod Antipas. Now, John was saying that's not acceptable to God. That's not acceptable. He's standing up in front of a king and the king's wife going, that's wrong in the eyes of God. You need to repent or judgment is coming. That's bold, isn't it? That's bold. And so they couldn't tolerate that. And so they had John arrested and they had John brought in and placed into a prison cell. Now, Herodias, she was like angry as all get out because he's like calling her out for her relationship and she wants John dead. She wants him dead. She wants him finished, quiet, done for. Herod Antipas said, um, I'm kind of afraid of him because of how popular he is and his zeal for God. So we're going to put a pause on that for right now. And so they brought John in and they placed John in a prison cell. Now, John is in a prison cell. Weeks have gone by. Months have gone by. And it's probably now over a year. And John hasn't heard one word from cousin Jesus. Jesus didn't visit him. Jesus didn't even send a card. And John is sitting there. And you got to imagine what's going through John's mind. Here's here's what's going through John's mind. One day I'm out in the wilderness proclaiming the kingdom of God. And people are repenting and people are getting baptized. And now I'm in this prison? I was doing the work of God. I was proclaiming the the work of God and what God was wanting to do. And and, and this is where that got me? Here? I thought if I did this for, for God, I thought if I did this for Jesus, then God would set me free. Where is he? Where is he? Weeks, months, year, nothing, nothing. And John's not happy. Is that an understatement? John's not happy. Oh, he did everything right. He did everything he was supposed to do. And he's in a cell, rotting not knowing if he was going to wake up that morning and they were going to take his life. And it says that in Luke 17, 18, look what it says. Look what it says. The disciples of John, so John was so popular that he had his own disciples. The disciples of John reported to him about all these things. In other words, in other words John's disciples went to tell Jesus, this is what's happened to John. Are you aware? 
John was speaking boldly of the kingdom of God is at hand. He was telling people to repent. He was pointing to you as the Lamb of God that was going to take away the sins of the world. And now he's in a cell. Are you aware? And finally, John was so angry and so upset that John says, look what it says, Summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord saying, look at this, are you the expected one? Or do we look for someone else? Ooh. Is that like, ouch. This is cousin John. They grew up together. They spent time together. They talked about God together and all the things. And now, now John is in this prison cell. And you know what happened to John? John's faith shrunk down to the size of his cell. Because what he expected wasn't coming through. What he thought God should do God wasn't doing it at all. You know what the problem was with John? The problem was is that John had some fake news. John had some, what I call John's false faith. He had faulty faith. Here's what John believed. John believed, that first thing, John believed in reappearing prophets. And so when John asked, are you the expected one or or should we expect someone else or should we look for someone else? John was asking a legitimate question that they believed that God would do. Guess what? That God never said he would do. John believed that there was going to be some prophets who would reappear. Guys that we know, guys like Moses, guys like Jeremiah, guys like Isaiah, Elijah, so on and so forth. John believed that this would happen, that there would be some reappearing prophets. Well, God never said that. God never said to John, or, or you know, the, through the teachings of their scripture, that this would happen. John had this fake news, this faulty theology, that there was going to be some reappearing prophets. The other thing that John believed was this, that he had a misconception of the Messiah, He had a misconception of the Messiah. Here's what he thought. He thought that when the Messiah would come, that the Messiah would be a conquering king. That's what he he thought. He thought, and many, many others thought, that when, when the Messiah showed up on the scene, that the Messiah would free them from their oppression of Rome. That God would establish prosperity for the Hebrews. And they would be considered the greatest nation in the world. And anyone closest to the Messiah would also be considered to be great. This is what John thought Jesus would do. And you know what John is now hearing? John is now hearing that that Jesus isn't bringing about judgment, that Jesus is bringing about mercy. That Jesus isn't saying repent because I'm going to establish my kingdom right here, right now. No, what he was saying was come and you can be forgiven. 
and I will extend grace. You know what, John, John just had a, a false understanding of what the Messiah would do. Now, that is going to happen one day. You know that? That's going to happen. What, what, what they were confused about, what John was confused about, was what, what we call two advents, two comings of God. And what they thought was, they thought that the, when God would come, that he would come and he would establish his throne, that he would bring prosperity to the Jews, and that's not what he did. They missed this, the suffering servant. And what they didn't understand was that the first time that the Messiah would come, that he would come not to deliver Jews from the oppression of Rome. No, no, no. That Jesus came to deliver people out of the oppression of sin. That Jesus came to, to remove sin and to forgive us of our sin, to not bring about judgment, but to bring about grace and mercy. That's what Jesus came to do. And John the Baptist missed it. Because he had a faulty belief and a misconception of the Messiah. He believed something about God that God never said. And because of it, when he got into a circumstance that didn't make him very happy, he doubted. And he was ready to walk away from Jesus. And even had the audacity to ask Jesus, are you the right guy? Or should I follow something or someone else? And you know people today ask that all the time. Is this thing called Christianity? Is this thing called a relationship with Jesus? Is this the right thing? Is this true? Because my expectation was that he was going to do this, and he never did that for me. The expected one didn't do what he expected the one to do. And we have probably oftentimes had times in our life where we felt that too. And we wonder, is this the right one? Is this what I should believe? Or should I look for something else? Should I follow someone else? I love that Jesus didn't, you know, get all like worked up and, you know, emotional and thought, oh, I got, I bet, I know, I, it's way overdue. I should have went and go visit John. I know, I'm, I'm, my bad. I'm, let's go, guys. Let's go. Let's go back. You know, let me go and encourage John. Let him know. You know, that's not what Jesus did. Look, at, look what Jesus does. Verse 22, and he answered and said to them, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. And look what he says. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Guys, 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 you go and tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. Guys, you go and tell John of the evidence 
that you put your faith in the right guy. That John may be going through some time or a season of doubt because he expected me to do something that I didn't do for him, but I just want you to, I just want you to go and tell John. I want you to go and report back to John that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up again. I want you to go and I want you to tell John that you put your faith in the right guy, and you may be going through it right now, that you don't understand why you're going through it in your life, but I just want you to know something. You put your faith in the right person you did and you may not be happy and I can understand why but God wants you to pursue not happiness you hear, listen to me this is important God doesn't want you to just pursue happiness God wants you to pursue him him And when they walked away, the two disciples that John sent, when they walked away, I'm sure Jesus said, hey, guys, guys, hold on, one, one more thing, one more thing. Look what he says. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Hey, just tell John, just tell John, blessed is he who does not take offense at what I want to do and when I want to do it. You know that word blessed? It's the word makarios, makarios. You know what that word makarios means? Beyond happy. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, hey, listen, listen. You want to not just be happy, you want to be beyond happy. You want to be more than happy. Blessed are those who don't take offense at what I'm doing in your life. Hey, you want to know where you find happiness? It's not in better relationships. Hey, it's not in, you know, you know, better appearances, more things, thrilling experiences. You know where you find happiness? Is you find it in me, Jesus said. Guys, tell John that, he, that they can, he can have confidence in the person of Jesus due to the evidence presented. Tell John. Hey, listen, you, what you've seen and what you've heard Jesus do, that he takes things that are broken and he fixes them. He takes things that are lost and he, and he finds them. He takes things that are dead and he brings them back to life again. I mean, come on. He took somebody who couldn't hear and he gave him hearing. He took somebody who had leprosy all in his body and he healed many, many people from that. I mean, he took somebody who couldn't ever walk and he allowed them to walk again. Don't you think that he can do that? in your life, that God can do something in your life that you couldn't do on your own. And Jesus wanted John to know, blessed, more than happy, is the one who puts their faith and their trust in me. That God says, your happiness, no, 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 more than happiness is found in him. It's in him. It's in him. So pursue him. 
Even when things aren't going the way that you want them to go. Even when you feel the disappointments in your, in your life. Even when things are delayed. Even when you're feeling anxious or worried or overwhelmed in this life. Even when you're going through loss and tragedy in your life. Here's what Jesus wants you to do. He says, just pursue me. Come to me. And we'll walk together. And you can have confidence in the person of Jesus due to the overwhelming evidence presented that Jesus brings life change. And Jesus can take a terrible circumstance and he can bring good out of it. That Jesus can bring whatever you feel and you're struggling and you're working through in this life. That Jesus can turn it around for good, for his glory. Listen to me. You put your faith in the right guy. Don't forget that. Christian, before you're ready to walk away because you're not happy, you put your faith in the right guy. They had a similar experience where Things were going hard and things got tough and things were, weren't working out the way that they thought. They had an expectation and it wasn't meeting their expectation. It's in John 6 and Jesus makes this statement. As a, he says, as a result of many of his disciples withdrew. As, in other words, as a, many of his disciples were just walking away. You're not who I expected. You're not doing what I thought you would do. You didn't stop it. You didn't come through for me. You didn't answer that prayer. And people began to walk away. People began to withdraw. Listen, this happens all the time today. And we're not walking with him anymore. Verse 67. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to walk, go away also, do you? I don't know if the 12 were over in the corner, kind of like inching their way out the door, you know, they're trying to get close to the door, like, you know, yeah, keep talking, Jesus, like, look over there, you know, like, and Jesus looks over them and goes, hey, I know things are hard, and I know things are tough, but you're not wanting to walk away too, are you? Do you want to walk away too? You want to withdraw? You want to stop believing? You want to stop putting your faith in me? You, is, that, is that what you're thinking right now? Is that what's going through? And, and Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. That's, ex, that's what they were wanting to do. They're like, I don't know if this is for me anymore. I don't know if I, I can trust God anymore. I had an expectation and he didn't come through for me. And they were wanting to walk away and, until, until Peter spoke up. And he says in verse 68, Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words unlike anyone that we've ever met before. You have words of eternal life. Hey, you put your faith in the right guy. You pursue him over happiness because when you pursue him over happiness, over, over better circumstances, over, over anything else that this world has to offer, then here's what you're going to find. You're going to find, you're going to be more than happy. And that's only found in him. Nothing this world has to offer. It's only found in him. Where are you going to go? Nothing in this world satisfies like he does. 
Nothing in this world gives you what you think will make you happy or make you sad, you know, more fulfilled than, than, than he does. Nothing. Where are you going to go? You're going to turn to something else? You're going to turn to some sort of substance? You're going to turn to some sort of desire to look better, a different relationship? You're going to let go of something that is good in your life because you think that something else will, will bring you that fulfillment in your life? It will never satisfy. And many of you have lived long enough to know that. Many of you have lived long enough to know that nothing in this life will ever bring you the happiness that is found in him. Listen to me. Listen to me. You put your hope and your faith in the right guy. Where are you going to go? He's got words of eternal life. At the end of the day, listen to me. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. Not if you were happy. What matters is, did you know him? Right? Not if you were happy. No. Did you know him? Did you know him? Because that's how you have eternal life. Did you know him? Pursue him. Pursue him. God, more than anything, wants you to know him even more than he wants you to be happy. And Peter said in verse 69, we have believed and have come to know. It's not just what I believe, it's what I know, that you are the Holy One of God. Hey, you put your hope in him. You'll be more than happy in this life. And I just want you to come around this morning just with this idea that, hey, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going after things, I'm going after things, I'm going after things, but man, it just doesn't seem to be hitting the mark. It doesn't seem to be getting it where I want it to be. But right now, I'm just going to pursue him. I'm just going to pursue him. I'm going after him. I just want to know him more. I just want to do what he wants me to do. I just want to live for him. And it's not because I think that I'm going to get more out of it. It's just because I know that in him, in him, I'm more than happy. I'm more than happy in him. God, that you are all that we need. You are everything that we need in this life. And God, we just know that there's nowhere else to turn because you're the only one that speaks words of life. And God, that's what you want to do in each one of our lives is to bring life to it. God, I thank you so much for making yourself available to us at any time, in any place. I thank you for all that you do and you're gonna do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, everybody.